This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Here we are, week 86 in mm-hmm. lockdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, where are we? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. I've lost it. I think nine weeks. I think it's nine weeks now. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so this was an interesting conversation because we do go all over the place with it. Um, What are our bad habits? And And what's leaking into our children's brains? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they've been around us an awful long time now, haven't they, for a lot of that time. And, you know, yeah, we can like to think that some of our best habits are creeping out, but what are the worst? I mean, right down to swearing. Are we swearing too much? Are we drinking too much? No doubt. Are we eating? Eating too much? Mm. Yeah, let's find out. I think out. I'm going to make them a picnic and send them to the park today. They need a break from us. Yeah. Um, hi, guys. Can't say hi, guys. Mm. I don't like it. You say it all the time. No, I don't. I've weaned myself off. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. We've got this thing going that we're not allowed to say it anywhere, not on our podcast, not on our social media okay. platforms. No. Hi, guys. <laughs> okay, well, the first thing I want to start with is a comment that came up on iTunes about mm. you, Nadia. Mm. Uh, and it said, uh, I normally really like Nadia Sawala on, on Loose Women, but these chats are becoming a bit too depressing. <laughs> and I thought it was funny because I paused and I thought, Actually, we have moments of great hilarity and stupidity, and it's been an incredibly emotional six to nine weeks. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, so I I was thinking, yeah, in many regards, it has been a bit depressing because life has been pretty depressing. Mm. So, um, you know, and yet at the same time, the way we sort of we've managed and dealt with that sort of depression, if you like, collective societal depression as parents and as as our teens, our, our children is to kind of, in many ways, overindulge, isn't it? Mm. And I think that's the subject, isn't it, of today's chat? Yeah, the overindulgences that our children are witnessing. Yeah, our younger our children, our adult children, they're seeing us in all our yeah. glory. Um, Warts and all. I mean, the thing is, people mostly say goodbye to their kids in the morning for school yes. and then they come back. We don't do that, but we do say goodbye to them a lot because they go oh, to yeah. clubs, they yeah. go out socially. And yeah. so they are seeing us a lot more, just like anybody else. Um, and I notice with my friends and with um, comments that come up on our Instagram and, and Twitter that people are eating more than ever, drinking more than ever. Because unfortunately, as humans, we have this need to spend curious how, and to indulge. It's curious how a lot of adults aren't having more sex than normal. I mean, I wonder if all indulgences that are happening in a household are happening more because we're just in a house. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's entertainment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, like gaming. I mean, I know that a number of friends of, of Maddie and Kiki's have turned to gaming in a mm. big way. And I know in a weird way that as a bloke, I've, I mean, since I've had football removed from me as a choice... I've been scrabbling around in the corners of my office trying to find my FIFA 2016 or whatever, thinking, I just want to hear the sound of a football crowd. So, you know, there is that. I can understand how most things that we should do cautiously or more in a more measured way, we're turning to... It's like comfort eating, isn't it? It's a sort of comfort blanket. It's stressful. I mean, I think it's stressful for Adam. I mean, we're yeah. all under enormous stress and we're trying to keep things as nice as we can for our kids. 
And there is no time when they're not around where you can stuff your no. face and get pissed. No, no. <laughs> but of course, we know that people are. You know, yeah. drinking is art. What was that stat you were giving me the other day about calls into um, alcohol concern? I think it you were talking about. Anyway, up massively. People that didn't, that probably were drinking maybe a bit too oh, much I see. before yeah. lockdown are now actually starting oh, to well, have there, real there's, concern. there's a huge worry that whilst there's, well, there's a huge worry for a lot of people who are identified alcoholics or recovering alcoholics, there's a lot of relapsing happening. Yeah. So you've got that. And then you've got an enormous number. I think it's 25%, a quarter, one in four of all people who had a sort of recognised problem drinking problem mm. are flipping over into active and and chronic active. alcoholism okay so that's the kind of extreme end but what about like a couple of my friends who aren't big drinkers who said oh god you know i found myself one of our friends said the other day i was drinking every day she said, i realized i was drinking every night i was having yeah. a gin i was having after but she suddenly thought Gosh, what if I end up like Mark did? That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? Lisa. Said oh that. right, oh right. Yeah, and uh, and so she said, so I just stopped it, and she said, now I'm stuffing my face. And I think you know, a lot of people. I, I posed this question this morning on our Instagram, and lots just just flicking through the messages. Actually, a lot of people, on a serious note, are saying that they're eating emotionally eating. Yeah. And I think. Um, I was like that in the first couple of weeks. I was, I was definitely using food as a, as a suppressant on the anxiety. You know, you could swallow down your feelings with a biscuit brilliantly. I mean, for me, I think it works in the same way that it does for people that take anti-anxiety pills. It's just it shuts it up for a second, not for long, but for a second or mm. two. And that's why when you use food for emotional suppression it's so dangerous because it's a bit like crack it only lasts a few minutes and then mm. you need more of it mm. so i quickly got a handle on that i know and now from, i know from painful experience that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> and I'm, i've i've got a handle on that now because i've had a lot a lot of time yeah. about emotional yeah. eating so in the lot I, I feel pretty steady with my food um but what I would say that I've been doing is I have been letting the kids indulge so much more with their food. Mm. Like that snack box is full all the time with crisps. Okay, there's some well, Maddie, Maddie, and they hate them, but they're filled with crisps but, and they are eating a lot more crisps than I would usually allow. Well, Maddie has self-declared that she, she feels that her crisp addiction has become a crisis. She's not right. drawn to any sweetness. She's not drawn no. to chocolate. She's not drawn to sweets. She just can't stop wanting crisps. And I know what she means. It's that I think something's happening in the brain. And just going back to the sort of overarching topic of children seeing our sort of worst habits, our, ch our children seeing us overindulging. And um, it sounds kind of pretty simple. Oh, they're just seeing us eat too much or they're just seeing us drink too much. What's what's wrong with that? I do think that this is quite a complicated subject, actually, because I think within this crisis that, let's face it, yes, it's going to get better. Yes, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But there are a lot of things that are going to change in our day-to-day -day lives. But also it's been long enough for, I think... Uh, children of an age that can be easily influenced, you know, certainly around teenager age or tweeny age, for them to look at us and not consciously, you know, what, I'm no. not talking about children looking at parents going, oh, mum's just drunk four bottles of gin and that's kind of knocked her out so that she can cope with the worry that the world's coming to an end. They're not going to go, oh, I think I'll do that because no one will look at their mum who's conked over with gin 
and think, I want to be like that. But what does go in on a subliminal level is that that is a way or a justified way of somehow managing your feelings. Disorientation, yeah. distress, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, interestingly, we've, we've got almost our own, it's not an acute example, but over the last couple of days, I've been thinking about the way in which we have, you know, we've been allowing Maddie to have the occasional cider here or there. And only yesterday, I kind of snagged myself and thought, oh, hang on a minute. And, you know, for listeners who don't know, I'm a recovering alcoholic of nearly 16 years. I just had a moment where I just caught myself and thought, oh, hang on a minute. Can I really absolutely know that every time I've seen her, and I've seen her more and more with her, I don't, I don't mean like constantly, but there's, you know, you know, if we've been sitting down as a family, we've been trying to socialise as a family more and, there, and make more of an event of sitting together as a family. Have we been allowing alcohol to be used? Have I been sort of turning a blind eye to alcohol or cider? And so has there been an increase in her drinking just in lockdown? And when I had that moment, we thought you were very quick yesterday to draw my attention to the fact that when they're out and about with all their friends, they're all drinking stupid amounts of alcohol. It's interesting, isn't it? Yes, I know they're doing it when they're out, but it's very different when they're in the house. And so even in a household, whereas a recovering alcoholic, I'm turning a blind eye or allowing things to pass that traditionally I wouldn't have necessarily been so comfortable with. It's not to say I wouldn't have allowed it because I'm not like that. I want them to be able to drink. But I thought... Oh, things are shifting. Could things be shifting? Could that? Could there be a drift happening there? Well, I think I think it's right for you to be very sensitive to it because of everything that you know and how easy it is to go from a safe place to an unsafe place. But my thinking on on, on it is that you know she's seventeen and a half. Um, I think that we're all. Um, aware enough to know that 17 year olds every weekend when they go out to a party are unfortunately these days are drinking vodka and vodka shots and craziness and so I think why I've relaxed on that and let her have the occasional drink is they're not doing anything they're not going anywhere I would never ever say to a young person and that's why I never let them see me ever do this ever even though I drink and you don't they will never see me upset and going to get a drink never I don't cry and get a drink. But we're if very you think unusual. about it, you never see me do that. And I make a very conscious effort of that. No, and I think we're, I think so we're good So they will that. see me happy with people and go, yeah. oh, I'll have a couple, I'll have a glass of wine. And then if people go or da-da, it stops. And I put the kettle on and I have a cup but, of tea. And I think that kind of messaging mm. by osmosis as well is really important. So I think, I think we are in trouble globally with children picking up that people are frustrated and angry and upset and worried and they go, oh, my God, just give me, I need a gin. I think things like saying, I need a gin and tonic or oh, I deserve a great big glass of wine. And let's face it, Mark, if you hadn't gone into rehab, we wouldn't have consciousness. Of well, no, this. I was just about to say, well, I mean, everything I you're talking with. about, everything you're talking about and the way you describe us, we are the exception and not the mm. rule. We are the unusual ones and we're not the norm. You know, the very fact that, you know, uh, it's even an issue for us to turn a blind eye to the, and we're talking the most occasional can of cider, low alcohol, uh, every four or five days around dinner time. You know, we are, I, I recognise that. I recognise that we're really unusual. But this is where I think the talons of addiction start. 
And I think for most families, it is very normal. And it would have been just as normal for us way back when to say, oh, God, I need a drink. Oh, God, I really need a drink. Mm. I mean, I felt that as a recovering alcoholic. There have been a couple of occasions where I thought I'd really like to have a drink. Not literally, wasn't on the verge of relapse and all that kind of stuff. But on a, on a sort of metaphorical, since emotional lockdown, level. Since lockdown, you mean? Since lockdown, yeah. I've thought, God, you know, the ability just to take mm. the edge off things. That's all you want a drink for. Most people are doing... But the problem with sending that message to your kids is that it does send an inadvertent message. It sends a pulse of a message, which is alcohol helps with distress. Alcohol helps with, you know, feeling uneasy. Alcohol helps with feeling anxiety. And I think there's a, you know, that's one end of the spectrum. Then at the other end of the spectrum, there's the parents who think it's really bloody cool to actively encourage their kids to drink. And, you know, again, if we hadn't gone into recovery as a family, if you like, we would probably be part of that too. Mm. You know, mm. so I don't stand I, I'm in really, judgment. I'm really concerned if anybody thinks that we're sitting here now, like, really, I just thought, God, do we sound really pious? Well, no, I thought that of you a minute ago, and I thought, well, we're only talking like this because I'm in recovery. Yeah, so, I mean, often we, in these conversations that Mark and I have, we are talking about how much we're fucking up, how we haven't yeah. got a bloody clue, how God knows, and that's why it's always called Confessions of a Modern Parent, because often we're confessing to not knowing. But yeah. I think it's okay for us to say... We've learned this stuff. We have actually learned this stuff. Yeah, it's our story. And it is is our story and we can share it. And we're not coming from a place of judgment judgment at all. We're coming from a place, I think, of sort of gratitude that we did happen to get this... This this understanding of of yeah. how this can affect young people, and even I still now because I am uh, an emotional eater and an over overeater, and I can lean very quickly to that. I have to. This doesn't all come naturally to me, but I do have to on a regular basis question what I'm giving and why I'm giving it and why I'm giving the food that I'm giving and why I'm saying what I'm saying when I'm giving that food because all these things do can cause the issues that come up later. Mm. You know, we cannot deny the fact that we have a massive obesity problem in this country and a real problem with drinking. Mm. And that doesn't just happen to you as an adult. It starts from when you're a child and everything around you that that is going on. Um, you know, one of the one of the uh, people that contacted us on Instagram today with an answer to this question, what bad habits are we maybe showing our kids more than we do usually? And quite a few people came up with, and I thought, God, I hadn't thought about that, our technology addiction as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, mean, how we're all distracting I ourselves. I am getting increasingly worried. And the problem with us is we work from our phones. Mm. So we are on our phones all day long. And so are our children. Yeah, and also and it's the only... But especially it's also, Maddie. But it's also the only way that they're being able to watch pretty much up until in recent, you know, the last week, it's the main way that they're being able to stay connected and socialise with yeah, their friends and stay getting, plugged it's, in. It's getting too much now. I mean, I'm actually seriously worried that Maddie is going to end up with <laughs> macular eye vision because right. all she does all day is look at her phone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I and it's very difficult because I will say to her, Maddie, please, can you just have a break from your And she'll say, why don't you have a break from your phone? And that's right, she's right, but I am working from my phone. Mm. I mean, I've just spent an hour answering comments on Instagram mm. to a child. <clears throat> it doesn't matter that that's work. They've just seen that you're and they a, pick yeah, that and up and it gives an allowance. So um, 
I, 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 I love that, that I was reminded of that. Thank you, listeners who, who sent those in, because I do think it's something that we have to be mindful of. And I think if you do have to be on your phone a lot for work, maybe sometimes you have to take that away from the kids so that they don't. So, I mean, there are many, many categories of bad, not not bad behaviour, but bad habits or maybe compulsive behaviour or maybe, you know, how we're behaving. Our our overindulgences are potentially a cause for concern in terms of how our children perceive us. I mean, I suppose the obvious ones are around alcohol. Uh, a, A less obvious one, obviously, unless you've gone through the experiences that you've gone through and we've gone through as a family are around food, because I think a lot of people see comfort eating as a very, very benign form of... Well, I've benign, had a lot of messages bit, um, this yeah. morning saying the opposite, saying I'm really worried well, about exactly, how much exactly. I'm emotionally eating in front of my but children. But I think, and that's my point I was going to make, mm. I think we've been in this lockdown situation now for long enough mm. for quite acute chronic problems to develop. Yeah. You know, it's you know, if it's been two weeks, them. if it's two weeks, you could think, oh, I've eaten a bit yeah. too much, I've blown out this yeah, week, I can, I can get back on. on the treadmill. And I think we're now, you know, when we're sort of approaching two and a half to three months and even as the you know we're looking at june 15th for life new normal and all that kind of stuff uh, that's long enough for a lot of stuff to have been undone and for a lot of bad thinking to have been laid down and it's really understandable because i've said this before we had this strange situation where we had this incredibly good weather yeah. Um, it, we went into lockdown at a time when most people were going to be on an Easter break. Yeah. Lots of people had holidays and trips booked. Mm. And so <clears throat> we all did it. Oh, let's just have a glass of rosé. The sun's out. Let's sit in the garden. Oh, let's, yeah, come on. Let's have chips at lunch and dinner. And then, of course, you've set a precedent. And then the kids are kind of quite happy with that and quite happy with the mood that's around. Yeah. And then it's how do they, how do we start reeling that back in? Yeah. And we know, don't we, from our regular lives, on YouTube and other things, on a daily basis, people are saying, I'm so worried. Mm. I've put on a stone. I've Mm. put on two stones. I'm so worried. My partner's drinking a lot. I'm so worried. My partner that had given up drinking is now drinking. I'm so worried. I can't get my teenagers to get out and even have a five-minute walk. And listen to me, guys, we're struggling with that big time with Mm. uh, with our eldest as well. Well, we're struggling Um, with it with ourselves. And with ourselves. We're exercising a lot in the house, but we're not getting out enough No, 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 I agree. But I mean, I think... And we we are their first port of call. What they see us doing is what they're going to (laughs) do. Yeah, but I also think that's interesting what you say there about exercise because, you know, these bad habits and these potentially new neural pathways of behaviour that our kids are mm-hmm. looking at their parents and looking at themselves and learning about in lockdown aren't just about the things we're overindulging in. It's also about the things we're not doing. Yeah. You know, it's like we, it's easy to not not go for a walk. And why are we not going for a walk? We're not going for a walk because actually the thought of having to avoid lots of people is really stressful. Mm-hmm. The mask, The, the, the yeah. traffic, the mask thing, mm-hmm. the dogs running up to people, you know, you, you end up sort of thinking, you know, just going to the corner shop for m- most weeks is just the thought of thinking, oh, queuing, I don't, I'll just go without. So you do end up just clipping your wings, don't you? And it's a silly thing because I never really think of myself as somebody off the telly. Mm. But because I've been on the telly for so long that it's absolutely normal to me that when I'm out in the park, wherever, people come running up to me, they talk to me, I I give them a hug, I have a chat and I've got just petrified of going out because I don't know how to deal with that now because I want to say to, I mean, we had something delivered yesterday, didn't we? And I, and there was somebody just a bit closer than oh, two metres and I had to say sorry, two metres and it's just not my character and, and so I don't rude. know how to be this new person mm. and yet I've got to be able to show the kids 
how to be this new person in this new normal. And it's okay if we feel um, in any way threatened. That might sound dramatic, but there's droplets and we have to be aware of this. To say, would you mind stepping? Yeah, yeah. And that is tenfold when you're off the telly. Because oh, I am always is. aware of I mustn't be in any way, you know, um, distant or snooty or people will but think, the, oh, I'm up myself because I haven't run towards them and but, let them hug me. But know? the other day, you know, Maddie and Kiki separately went to see an individual friend in the park and uh, I, I was also going on, then going on to see, see Nanny die and I was dropping them off and each of them both said, even though we're allowed to do this, Dad, it feels wrong. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in that simple statement from both of them, I think we really need to think about that as we step back out, Mm. as we approach trying to... Well, another good, very good bad habit to look at because that fear that I've got without realising it is transmitting to them. And because as parents, we had to say something, you can't see anyone, you can't go anywhere, you can't breathe on anyone, you can't breathe, wash your hands, wash the shopping. It's like, how are they, how are we going to help them navigate as we do ourselves? I've got the fear as, I've got the fear and the joy that lockdown seems to be Going a little bit fast, I might say, uh, coming out of it. But with that, we've got a whole, we've got carnage lying around us yeah, that yeah, we've yeah, got no. to deal well, with. Well, emotional, psychological, addictive, I mean, behaviour, you know, our behaviour coming out of this isn't just going to sort of ping back to what it was before. In many ways, what it was before wasn't great. Mm. This little sort of catalyst, if you might, if you like, this moment, which is going to sort of, it's like putting everything that wasn't going right in all of us into a microwave and cooking it really quickly. And then we're going to be asked to go back out into the world in a very different world, into a very sort of strange world, familiar but unfamiliar. And we're going to, I think, you know, many of the problems that we've got are going to be exacerbated. And it's not, again, whoever was saying it was always depressing. This isn't about being negative for negative sake. It's about being forewarned and forearmed and not being surprised if what we have, I mean, for example... Most teenagers at the moment, the biggest topic of conversation is how off their tits they're going to get at the first opportunity mm. they can have a party or a garden party mm. or something like that. I would have like been that. exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. We would have all been exactly. exactly the same. And there are studies. If you go through history, if you look at the Great Depression of the 30s, if you look at, you know, after World War One into the 20s, after a moment of extreme societal um, sort of hardship, that comes decadence, mm. hedonism, oh, orgiastic God. kind of like need. overindulgence. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there is, I mean, I have to confess, as a recovering alcoholic, I kind of stand on the, the, the periphery thinking, is this the right time to be abstinent in everything? <laughs> Fucking hell, what a, what a depressing outlook that is. But of course that's understandable. But in a weird way, what we're looking at is what's potentially going to happen for our teenagers, and I think this is something worth naming, is we're, we're, we're slowly move, moving towards an enormous iceberg of huge binging in all areas for all our youngsters. And on one level, that's totally justified and understandable, but there's going to be a lot of collateral damage in there. There's going to be a lot of stuff that goes wrong. There's going to be a lot of unwanted pregnancies. There's going to be a lot of un- unwanted sexual advances. There's going to be all sorts of other shit that kicks in. And I think sometimes, you know... Mm. You, sometimes... Well, that's why as parents, how we move yeah, towards yeah, yeah, yeah. lockdown is a very important way to think about that. Yeah. You know, to Showing them a meaningful do... way to yeah. party. Oh, how wonderful we get to go to the cinema. How great yeah, we yeah, get to yeah. drive out a bit and walk by the beach. Yeah. Oh, how... Now... 
that is not going to stop them having their right of passage, which is to go, let's all get smashed up, because that's what teenagers well, that's do. that's what we all do. That's did. what we all did. Yeah. But I think by osmosis, again, showing them the other things that are glorious, you know, the thoughts about when we'll be able to hug our friends again, yeah, when yeah, we'll yeah. be able to, yeah. you know, hug our grandparents and all of that stuff, and to keep that... The, the beat of that drum going underneath yeah. what, of course, their their uh, peer group and therefore the peer pressure is. You know. I'd be really interested to hear from uh, sort of a lot of youngsters in their teens, early, mid to sort of almost 20, what their attitudes are. Because I think this disease and this crisis has really strengthened the distinct generational boundaries has really strengthened those those divides between the elderly, the middle-aged, and the youth. And I think there's a real politicised, social politicised feeling amongst the youngsters. I feel it in Maddie. I feel it very much in Izzy. Mm. This sense of, you lot don't understand. Mm. You lot, who are more vulnerable than us, don't get it. You don't realise that we're having to make a huge sacrifice. Mm. So I'm interested to see and find out as we come out of lockdown, whether there's going to be an increased resentment towards the older ages. I think we could end, this could end up being the catalyst of quite not. a big... Well, no, I don't, I'm not suggesting there's going to be a sort of hostility or anything, but I do think there's a feeling that this was your problem and it's affected us. I keep hearing that an awful lot yeah. amongst teenagers and friends of our kids. Well, I the, hope people stop calling them the snowflake generation because this has been a lot for them to go mm. through. And I, I hope they use it as an impetus to take action for yeah. all the things that are going completely and utterly wrong yeah. around the world. I mean, you know, Maddie said, was it in last week's podcast, I'm, I'm worried about how we're going to come out of this. Are we going to have learned anything? Are we going to go back to polluting the skies and the seas nonstop, 24-7 planes flying everywhere that don't need to fly? Mm. You know, because you guys did do this to the planet. Mm. And we're we before lockdown, what they were all worrying about was we've only got 10 years left of the planet. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. No, absolutely. I understand that rage, and and I think that it, again, it is a rite of passage it, it, to be rageful uh, against the older generation when you're when you're their age. You know, but what I'm trying to say is, I think we again, it's about being forewarned rather than being a doom monger. I think we mustn't be surprised when we get a really uh, strong potential. Uh, reaction against us from this younger generation. I think mm. there's going to be a real ping towards hedonism. I think there's going to be a real ping towards freedom, a righteousness towards it, all well-founded mm. and all mm. justified and all part of what being a teenager is about. Mm. But I think we're going to have it amplified. And I think, you know, we are in... We the... could do. Let's well, no, not well, say we, we are. We, 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 can look we, at his... we can look at history to kind of remind ourselves of these things. And I do think we are in a moment of history. This is un... Un... <laughs> it's unprecedented. Don't say the word. Yes, yeah, the unprecedented Don't say word. unprecedented. I would never want to hear unprecedented. No, I know, neither do I. But it is so unprecedented that I do think we are looking at that divide that happened between, say, the war generation and the 1950s mm. and 60s generation. Yeah. It's like, hang on, we just want to leave you yeah. for your austerity and all you're not eating very much and we can do what we want and we want to do yeah. what we want. You know, yes, they might do it with a sort of eye, keen eye on the ecology and environmental issues, but they might do it on a sort of spiritual level, which is, fuck you lot, we want to yeah. move on and push on. But going back to this idea of overindulging and bad habits, it's not. It's interesting. Some of the comments you were reading out from Instagram, uh, it wasn't just about substances, was it? It wasn't mm. just about alcohol. It wasn't just mm. about eating. It was also about swearing and attitudes. Yeah. You know, some 
parents really yeah. worried that maybe I've been too angry. Yeah. And, that and, and too childish. And Some too people childish. said they've seen that we're actually really childish, which right. I really love that. Yeah. Or but, ma- you know, I think that's a wonderful that's thing a about thing. lockdown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because this enormous pressure to be the teacher, to be the grown-up, to be sensible, to be the... Ad- In fact, I've been being a lot more silly with the kids. Yes. Because I don't... Because I do tend to be silly out of the house and then I come back, I put the key in the door and then I feel like I have to be you know, the sensible yeah, mum yeah. and not... And because I can't be that all the time, so I tend to be it when I'm not at home, I'm being more silly at home. And mm, they which are is actually really nice. responding We're all to loving that. it. Yeah. We all love it. Be more silly. We like that. Yeah, be more silly. I'm loving being more silly. But I think a lot of parents will struggle with that. I think a lot of parents feel... I think there's a huge... Pro- there's a there's a great... I didn't I realise think- I could be silly. I think it's, it's... I've always had this idea, I suppose. I had this idea of what I had to be and I... Because I struggle with being a mum sometimes. But, but I... That it's that, that I would say, and this is just coming to me as I'm sitting here, really, that that's been one of the real positives for me as a mm. parent in in lockdown, and it really is just coming to me now. Yeah, I am being more silly. I do only, I am only silly on a Thursday and Friday when I go to lose women mm. because I can, and I'm so silly when I get to work because I'm not. Being well, the responsible you, Well, we mom. won't go into that. That's a whole other conversation about no, no, why because you're I'm being, Well, I'm explaining. Be. But why do you feel you can't be? Because they've always said to me, oh, mum, don't be... Oh, I've pushed through them going, mum, mm. why are you doing that? Oh, mum. Mm. Because girls, more so, I think, even than boys, are like that with their mums. Mm. And dad's the funny one and dad's the silly one and daddy... Mm. That's not the dad's fault. But it's because I think that they they want one like really stable parent. Mm. So they like a parent they can push against and say, look, can you just be normal? And can you just be quiet? Mm. Can you just not make too much fuss around me? And I think because I've had to push through it because I have to have that outlet to be silly. um, They've 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 started to accept it over mm. two months they, they've they stopped saying to me stop don't be silly mum which is what they've but always do you think said. you'll be able to maintain that beyond yeah beyond um beyond lockdown yeah i do absolutely because i think that i've set a new precedent oh, in right. unprecedented times so a new precedent wow. a new precedent this is precedented is it is, I don't is that the opposite of that. unprecedented? I don't know. Something I just wanted to quickly mention was that uh, Maddie often talks about, and I do think we need to bear this in mind, given the way we talk about parenting. You know, Maddie often says that in amongst her peer group and friends, and, and Kiki the same, no no parents talk like we talk, that they know. No, no, They don't know any parents of their friends that would even have these kind of conversations. Maddie often says how the extent to which we think about all the things that we think about mm. isn't normal, <laughs> isn't usual. And, uh, you know, we are, in some regards, uh, hyper aware of stuff in a way. And we are yeah, huge oversharers. And we think things through to incredible lengths and incredible degrees. We are also incredibly close with our girls because of the homeschooling principally. But also, you know, yeah, yeah there are pros to that, but there are also to that and I do think that you know for the vast majority of people sometimes listening to us uh, they're probably thinking for god's sake guys don't be so serious about it it doesn't need to be so heavy it doesn't need to be so serious it doesn't need to be all these things um and yet you know sometimes I do worry that it's in the it's it, it's in not being that aware of stuff that many of the problems with parenting creep in, and then and then parents can be wondering why is there this problem? Getting a fine line between anxiety, yeah, parents' anxiety and preparing. Now, anxiety manifests itself in doesn't matter what it is by thinking 
if I think about every eventuality, every yeah. possibility, then I can stop it happening, which yeah. isn't true. Yeah. That isn't true. Um, but I think both of us have had some real struggles with different things that we've gone through, and we can chart it back to things that have happened. Yeah. So it's not odd. It doesn't. It doesn't. Sure. It doesn't confuse me that we that we look in 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 great detail in the things that we're doing as parents. Um, I think sometimes we look too, we do look too much in, in, in detail and things to the point where we ignore the things that we actually could get done as parents. I yeah, think sometimes yeah, no, I we distract from being as proactive as we could because we spend too much bloody time navel gazing about it. But I do think we are, we are trying to strike a balance like all parents are. We're mm. trying, we don't know the answers. And I prefer to overthink it than underthink it, if anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do envy sometimes my friends when I say, some of my friends when I say, oh, you know, this, this, that. Okay. Why are you even thinking about that? And yeah. I wouldn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, think, yeah. I want to be you. I want to be you. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and a little bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. OK, well, so let's have a look at some uh, some comments from listeners here. Um, Elsa, 29, from Peterborough. Hi, I've been dieting for two years to reduce my weight. In adulthood, I've been a size 14 since I can remember. When I was a teen, I was a size 10. I always wanted to see if I could achieve size 10 again, and I did right before lockdown. Then in the first week of lockdown, I fell ill with COVID. I had a mild version of the illness, although let me tell you, there was nothing mild about it. I was in bed for a week. I barely had the energy to go to the toilet and I had to concentrate on my breathing throughout. It was very scary. In the second week, I started to feel better and regain my appetite. And I comforted myself with all my treat food, donuts, cakes, crisps, chocolate, whatever made me feel good. I was still mostly in bed this time, very weak. So naturally, my weights crept up. It took nearly a month for me to feel my normal self and be able to walk around without feeling out of breath or exhausted. By the time I was able to do light exercise, I'd gained 5k. Frankly, I feel lucky to be alive after that ordeal. I have the utmost respect for those who've been through the illness. You definitely want to avoid it if you can. Gaining 5k made me feel bloated, a bit defeated at first, but now I realise that the days I had sugar, I was more able to get through the day. There's plenty of time for me to work on my weight when this is all over. Staying alive and happy is more important right now. My advice, stay healthy and ignore the scales. Exercise and eat what feels good. That, that matters more than ever now. Love yourself and be kind. Today isn't forever. Do you agree? Um, it work. I mean, it's a balance, isn't it? It's a balance. I think it's a balance. I think the problem, as somebody that does yo has yo-yo up and down with my weight and somebody that can lean on emotional eating and can turn to sugar and all those things, I think it's a dangerous thing to kind of say it's all right. I think... Yeah, I don't believe on going on a massive diet after something like that, but I do think you have to be mindful. And I think, yeah. you know, if if you're if you're turning to food for comfort, just there's a few things you can do. You know, as you as you start to go towards food, just ask yourself a couple of questions. Am I eating because I'm hungry 
Or am I eating hoping this will take away my feelings of loneliness, mm. frustration, boredom, anger? Because if you're eating for any of those reasons, there's no end to that. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. can just fall into a hole with it. Yes. But if you really love that, want that cake because it's delicious and it's yeah. like, why wouldn't I have that piece of cake? It's lovely. I think that's a healthy attitude and have it. Yeah. But if you're going to have the whole cake because you've been through a rough time and therefore you can reward yourself with the whole cake, I think bit further down the line you can easily have put on way more than five kilos i think going back to the idea of what our kids learn from us and mm. how we're sort of influencing our kids i do know that my proclivity for kind of eating snacks late at night watching a box set it's like exactly Game of the Thrones. same as maddie's well maddie's i i know i am responsible mm. for that and i know that she interestingly now when we both talk about watching things again because we've kind of watched everything virtually um you know there's a we're both cautious because we don't want to fall down that slippery slope either um so i think, I think, I think there I is think, a what i'm trying to say yeah. is there is a direct connection yeah. between person a parent and eating habits yeah like right at the beginning of this chat when you said maddie said her crisp predictions yeah. was but you do do it together. Yeah, we'll yeah, race no, through five packets, do, small yeah. packets, because I buy small packets. Yeah. But and I think there's something illicit to it because I'll go up to bed, you'll watch something, mm. and the two of you are like, Mum's gone. Mm. Let's eat five bags of crisps. No, 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 so no, I know. There's so many different connections then with that that are just placed deep in your head. She loves you. She adores you. It's a happy place. Yeah. You get to spend time together. You get to watch something together, and you also get to binge. But also, so those connections are made. But also the negative in that is, is that at the point that she wants to correct that behaviour, she'll probably want to avoid me. <laughs> oh, God, typical you. What an absolute idiot you are. Yeah, there's yours. OK, Cam 40 from Kettering. Since lockdown began, I'm definitely drinking more. Before the pandemic, my drinking was seeing friends on the weekend for a few pints and the old glass of wine midweek. Um, I'm probably quite average for the UK, a little over the guidance, 14 units, but not too bad. But since being stuck at home, I've gone nuts. I love my wine. I have a nice collection of decent bottles from around the world. Oh, those decent bottles from around the world, folks. I know. <laughs> it's always such a great... We can give ourselves yeah. the excuse. I, mean, I remember I used to buy decent <clears throat> bottles from the yeah. supermarket. <laughs> However, my drinking has gone from more in the midweek to every day to daytime drinking. Three weeks ago, hand on heart, I didn't think this was an addiction. I thought I was bored and drink was filling time. But then I also thought to myself, isn't that what an, ad an addict would say? So I decided to test myself and I gave up booze cold turkey for one week. Day one was easy, two wasn't too bad, but a drink would have been nice. Day three, I was actually craving it. I saw the week out dry and then started drinking again. I'm back to being very strict with myself and limiting to the odd weekday and weekends as I would usually. However, now I'm concerned that this is actually more of a problem than I realise. The thought of giving up booze entirely kind of terrifies me. And isn't this a sign of a bigger problem? Well... We uh, have for you uh, an expert. Yeah, I mean, if it's terrifying, <laughs> if the thought of giving anything up terrifies you, you have an addiction problem. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Now, that addiction problem doesn't necessarily mean you're an alcoholic. It doesn't. It might mean that you're going through an alcoholic episode. It might mean you're going through a heavy drinking episode. Whatever you want to call it. I'm not big on the tags. Um, but yeah, if if the thought of not having something or doing something leaves you terrified, anxious, and and upset and distressed, it's a problem. Anyone would say it's that. a problem. Now yeah. the point is, is that I'm not one of those recovering alcoholics that says, "Oh, everyone needs to be abstemious and stop." I would prefer it that everyone could get the fun side out of drink without the negative downside. That's my preference because when it's fun, it can be fun. When it takes the edge off with just one drink, that's a great 
thing to be able to have in your arsenal of of sort of life. tools to to be able to cope with life. But at the point that it overwhelms your ability to cope with anything and becomes the defining feature of your ability to cope with anything, it's a problem. And don't um, you think also if you've got that many questions about yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It must be because the people that I think, well. The fact of the matter is, alcohol isn't great for anyone. But when I think of the people that I know that are healthy drinkers, they yeah. they will have glass. They never think about. It. They never think right. No. What, how much have I drunk? And they're not thinking about when the next time <clears> they should or shouldn't yeah. drink. Is as soon as you're putting, if you're putting all these structures into place and all these rules and regulations, and on a Monday without a wine in it, and on a Tuesday after four, or on a Thursday as long as I'm not working, you know, all those kind of little. Di- that is you managing an unmanageable. It's trying to control the unmanageable. Um, the other line I loved in that Cam was the idea that. And I've fallen foul of this, but I, I I can sometimes know when I'm dealing with someone who's got a bit of money, fancies themselves as a wine collector and goes, I've got some really nice wines down yeah. there. I know instinctively <clears throat> that this is a very different way of concealing a major mm. drink problem. Mm. By and large, if you're a domestic individual with a wine cellar, you have a drinking problem, I would say. Sorry, it's going to be contentious, but I guarantee In his it. opinion. No, I, I can, but it's a guarantee, but I don't judge that person for that. They might be able to manage it for the rest of their life. That's fine. But I can tell you for a fact, if you haven't a store loads of this shit in the bottom of your house, it's one of the first signs in fucking rehab. I'll tell you that right now. A Do room they say full that of, in rehab? A room full of alcohol where you've got an analysis of every single thing that's in there and you know everything, every drop in it. It's a problem, man. It's a, But it's a nice problem. I always so wanted a wine say in rehab well yeah because my line on it we used to I remember sharing about this I always saw as one of when I was much younger one of the defining features of success would be to have a wine cellar with wines that I would pull out at certain points of my children's lives because then it's a class because it's a classy thing and basically it's like someone going and buying 6,000 lottery tickets and pretending they're not gambling I mean the thing is if you had 100 cans of cider in your cupboard under the stairs what's the difference between that and a wine cellar you just just spent a lot more for a lot less alcohol (laughs) (laughs) and almost the act of spending more distances the idea of you thinking you've got a problem mm. it's weird it's some kind of a choice anyway there you go that's my thoughts <laughs> hmm. that was a that was a ranging all over the place it kind of went everywhere like didn't that. it yeah yeah. yeah 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 that was good thank you so much yeah listener and um as ever please like this yeah. podcast if you liked it and leave us your comments and if that if your comment happens to be you're both a pair of nutters we're yeah. fine with that too and whoever left the comment about us being too depressing <laughs> sorry sorry well that's it for this episode of confessions of a modern parent if you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today we'd love you to get in touch use the hashtag confessions of a modern parent if you want to find me on twitter it's at nadia sawala and on instagram it's at nadia sawala and family and if you fancy getting in touch with me it's at mark underscore adderley thank you so much for listening if you like the show please subscribe rate and review tell your friends and get involved and you can hear more episodes of confessions of a modern parent on global player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. <laughs>